Everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Blackout coming to you from bellyupsports.com. Week four was not what it was built up to be with the top 25 matchups we had, but we still did learn an awful lot in the game of college football. Michigan got smacked around up and down that field all game long against Wisconsin, trailing 35 0. Uh, of course, the final score was much closer than the game felt at 35 14. And how in the world the Michigan Wolverines are still ranked in the top 25, I've got no clue. That team, really? They're 2-1, they just had half the life beaten out of them by Wisconsin, and of course they've got that sparkly clean overtime win against Army on their resume. Oh man, yeah, that's a top 25 team. Wisconsin, on the other hand, looks like a real deal Big Ten contender again. They're 3-0, they've only given up 14 points all season, they've got improved quarterback play, and the schedule lines up nicely for what I think should be a 7-0 start going into a road game at number 5 Ohio State at the end of October. Of course, that would include a win at home against Michigan State, but right now you have to think that Wisconsin is going to win that game on their home field. In the SEC, Auburn and Bo Nix went into College Station and came away with a 28-20 game. Again, another one that the score does not indicate how much control Auburn had of that game. Certainly an impressive performance from the Tigers. They're 4-0 and should be 5-0 with a game against Mississippi State before they head on the road to play Florida in Gainesville. Right now, I'm still not sure that I really think this team is a true contender inside the SEC West. I think they fall a little bit short of where Alabama and LSU are right now. But the defense is really good, and we'll see if Bo Nix can continue to improve as the year goes on. Then came the nightcap, and my goodness, I was surprised, just like most everybody else, that Notre Dame looked like the real deal on the road at Georgia. The pieces are going to have to fall in the right place, but if Notre Dame can look impressive the rest of the season and find a way to finish 11-1, there might be a chance this team could get into the college football playoff again. And Georgia did not dominate that game at all like Trent Smallwood and I told you they would last week. But the Georgia Bulldogs still have the makeup of a team that I believe fully can make a run at the college football playoff, maybe even a national championship this year. I am Thomas Black, your host, and each and every week you can join me here on The Blackout for all kinds of college football talk. And on this week's episode, I've got for you some more blackmail. And in the next segment, I've got Eric Bailey, a beat reporter for Oklahoma from TulsaWorld.com coming in to talk about Oklahoma, their hot start, Jalen Hurts, a little bit about their matchup with Texas Tech this weekend, and what we could see from them down the road as they try to make another run to the college football playoff. Thank you for joining me, and now let's get into this week's blackmail. Yeah, this is Bubba Club from 8 Mile again for that blackmail. Last week we talked about Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. This week, He's got to go. So is there any coach worth replacing him with? Or are we going to have to go after another big name and blow this thing all up? <laughs> That's right, Bubba. Blew it all up. Uh, just messing with you, Bubba. But 
I tried to tell you last week that Michigan might go nine and three, maybe find a way to go ten and two this year. Oh, I don't know about that. Are we maybe looking at a Michigan team that I don't know? Is it possible that this team goes seven and five? They get Iowa at home, but are they better than that team right now? I don't think so. Then they play Penn State, Notre Dame, Maryland, Michigan State, Ohio State. About half of those games are on the road. Man, this thing could get really ugly. I don't know, Bubba. If you're convinced that Harbaugh is going to be gone after this year, maybe you're right. But who does Michigan go after? It's hard to imagine this really ever even happening. But let's be honest. It's Michigan. They have the historical value of a team that expects to be at the very top. And if you're in that boat, you've got to consider the top names available. And frankly, at this time, there is one name you have to start with if you're Michigan that you absolutely have to consider, even though it's unlikely, the ex-head coach of Ohio State, Urban Meyer. I know, I know, I know. That sounds crazy. But the guy is an elite recruiter. He's won everywhere he's been, including national championships at two different stops. And you know what? He is available. You see, that's the hard part with this kind of thing this early in the season. There's so few of those big-name hotshot coaches that are available. If there is one, you have to consider them as a candidate. Alternatively, to look at it another way, I think you have to consider some of the young, up-and-coming head coaches around the country. You might consider some of these guys flyers. You know, they've shown good promise. They can obviously get the job done coaching but you don't know if they're actually going to win at the very top level, competing for national championships, or even, heck, at this time, for Michigan, conference championships. And if you're looking in that arena, one of the first names that comes to my mind is a guy like Matt Campbell. He's done a phenomenal job at both of his coaching stops so far, Toledo and Iowa State. But I think maybe the most important thing to look at is where Iowa State was as a program when he started at his current job. You see, the Cyclones had not had a winning year since 2009 when Matt Campbell got there in 2016. Then in Campbell's first season, they go 3-9 and nine again. You know, pretty understandable. It's a terrible program. They're trying to figure out if this guy can do there what he had done at Toledo. But in the years since, Matt Campbell and Iowa State have gone 8-5, eight 8-5, and, five, eight and, five, and they're sitting at 2-1 and one right now with a one-point loss to their rival Iowa. And for all we know right now, that one-point loss to Iowa might be a more competitive game than Michigan gives the Hawkeyes here in a couple of weeks. Bubba, I hope that's enough food for thought right now, but as we get going through this season, if Michigan cannot get this thing turned around and they continue to lose games and look uninspiring on the field, then we are going to hear a lot more names pop up. But I hope this is a good start for you in thinking about what kind of candidates there are out there for Michigan right now. All right, let's go ahead and get to some more blackmail. Hey, Thomas, first-time caller here. This is Timothy Michael James, big fan of the show. and big, I'm a big-time Clemson fan, and I'm actually coming up to the game, uh, first time visiting Chapel Hill. So really excited about this game. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it can be somewhat competitive. Um, you know, it's been a while since, uh, since, since the Tigers have played a competitive game, so... And I was actually, I was reading up on the history between, uh, between Clemson and North Carolina. And strangely enough, the last time 
Mac Brown uh, was at UNC back in 96. He actually beat the Tommy West-led Clemson Tigers 45-0. to zero. So my question is, what do you think Mac Brown has drawn up, and what do you think his game plan is to either to you know slow down our offense or if he can create some offense uh, against our defense? It's uh, our our defense is pretty lights out. So I I want to know what Mac Brown can do to beat the Tigers. Let me know. Thanks. First off, thank you for the call, Timothy, Michael, James. Dude, you've got three first names. How about that? I guess I'll just go with Timothy. But hey, man, I'm glad you're getting to go up to the game this weekend. I hope you enjoyed your trip to Chapel Hill. Secondly, though, how in the world am I supposed to be able to give you a reason for how North Carolina can beat Clemson in this game? I know you're reaching just a little bit. But let's be serious. Clemson is nearly a four-touchdown favorite on the road. They're so experienced, and North Carolina is still trying to figure out their way early on under Mac Brown. It's just not going to happen. But if you're looking for some of the things that North Carolina is going to try to do in this game, I think you have to start off by saying, admittedly, in their first four games, the offense has been pretty good. You know, they're breaking in a true freshman quarterback in Sam Howell. He's been really, really good for a guy starting off his career, coming into the type of situation that he has with the Tar Heels. And I know it's early. This is just going to be his fifth game of the season. But let's face it, this possibly could be the best team that he's going to face his entire career at North Carolina. Howell has been really good passing the ball. But you tell me that he's going to go up against a defense that has the likes of Xavier Thomas, Tyler Davis, and Isaiah Simmons chasing him around everywhere he goes, and his chances of having a great game are much, much smaller now than they have been in his first four games. The other thing is, Clemson has been really good against the run, as they typically have been the last few years. So I think if there's any chance for this North Carolina offense to have success in this game, I think it honestly has to be on the arm of Sam Howell. He has got to be able to pose some sort of a deep threat so that Clemson can't just aim at stopping the run and getting in the backfield and sacking Howell all game long. That North Carolina offensive line has got to be able to protect Howell, establish the passing game a little bit, and then maybe that opens up some angles and some holes in the offensive line for the running game as well. But let's just say I'm not too optimistic that all of that's going to work out perfectly for North Carolina against this elite Clemson defense. And then I think the biggest problem for North Carolina comes on the other side of the field when their defense is facing this awesome Clemson offense. Timothy, you know what I'm talking about. Clemson has elite players at quarterback, at running back, at wide receiver, and they've got a solid offensive line as well. And on the other side, this Tar Heel defense, I don't think is particularly good at any one thing. And if you've watched this Clemson offense attack defenses that really can't stand up to any one part of their offense, lots of times what you end up seeing happen is the defense try to take away one side of the offense, whether it be passing or running. And how does Dabo Sweeney and his offensive coaching staff choose to work against a defense that tries to take away one side of their offense, whether it be the run or the pass? Well, lots of times they're going to stick it in the hands of Trevor Lawrence and he's going to read the defense before the snap, and he's going to see how many players are lined up in the box. 
And if North Carolina tries to put their defensive backs out on an island and tries to defend guys like T. Higgins and Justin Ross, then Clemson's going to try to get the ball down the field. Alternatively, though, if North Carolina's sticking five defensive backs on the field, a couple of high safeties protecting the deep shots down the field, and they've only got, say, five or six defenders in the box, then all of a sudden you're looking at a Clemson offense that's going to check out of a lot of passing plays, and they're simply going to hand the ball off to guys like Travis Etienne and Lynn J. Dixon. Either way, no matter what North Carolina tries to do to take away one side of Clemson's offense, I think they just simply respond by taking advantage of the holes on the field that open up because of what North Carolina is trying to eliminate. And Clemson is simply too good in every facet of its offense to be able to be stopped by a North Carolina defense that can't eliminate a portion of the field with elite talent. You see, this thing would be different if North Carolina had, say, an elite defensive line. If they could work against the run and also manage to get some pressure on Trevor Lawrence and passing downs with, say, four or five guys, then they could drop a lot of guys in the coverage and they might cause some problems. But North Carolina doesn't have that opportunity. Clemson is just simply too good to be slowed down by a defense like this that is not elite in a certain area of the field. So, Timothy, this game may not be close like you're hoping to see a competitive game but your Tigers are going to come away with an easy, easy win. And if you, like Bubba and Timothy, want to get your call into the blackout, you can call me, Thomas Black, on my blackmail here on the show at 706-406-3566. It's where I'll take your questions, comments, predictions, anything you want on the game of college football, and we'll discuss it right here on the blackout. And make sure you stick around for the second segment of the show today because I'm going to have Eric Bailey from TulsaWorld.com on to talk about Oklahoma and the Sooners' chance to go to the college football playoff as well as the impact that Jalen Hurts has had on this team. In addition to that, I'll have another opportunity later in the show for you to get your chance to get some free merchandise out of the Belly Up Sports Shop. That's all coming up next here on The Blackout. Welcome back, and now joining the blackout is Eric Bailey, beat reporter for Oklahoma for the Tulsa World. Hey, Eric, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, doing great. How are you doing today? Doing great. Awesome to have you here, and uh, as we look at another premier program in college football, man, it has been something of a start for the Oklahoma Sooners to this 2019 season. What have you seen in just how seamless the transition has been with Jalen Hurts coming in and quarterbacking this team to where they are right now? You know, I think that was the big question. You already knew he was a winner from what he did at Alabama. And, you know, you're talking about a guy that was an SEC Offensive Player of the Year and uh, he's played in national championship games. So you knew you you had a a very talented athlete. You just wondered how he would fit into Lincoln Riley's system. And to be honest, he's done great. He's really he's really meshed well. Uh, He's given Lincoln Riley an opportunity to do something he really hasn't done been able to do since he's been here in 2015 and that's explore uh Jalen Hurts ability to run the football now we know Kyler Murray's fast and can run the football but Jalen's a punishing runner and I think Riley is enjoying that opportunity to uh, have him run the ball a little more like almost like a running back 
You mentioned Kyler Murray. What has it been like just seeing the transformation of this offense? Uh, I mean, it's been a great offense for years. Don't get me wrong. But what what has it been like seeing three different quarterbacks, you know, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield consecutively, a couple of Heisman Trophy winners and now Jalen Hurts? Uh, Just how unique of a situation has this been for three separate quarterbacks doing as well as they're doing? You know, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you're really, really excited because you wondered, and and this is what uh, Lincoln Riley was hired for as an offensive coordinator in 2015 is kind of turn things around offensively and, and recruit those, get, get those good quarterbacks. And that's what he's been able to do with Kyler Murray. That's what he did with Jalen Hurts. And as Spencer Rattler, who's a five-star quarterback, who's a true freshman, I think he's the next star in that Oklahoma football program. So it's been fun watching the offense evolve under all three quarterbacks. And I think of uh, wide receivers like CD lamb, their, their top wide receiver, you know, he's, he's going to be able to say he caught balls from three outstanding quarterbacks in, in his three years at Oklahoma. So it's, it's really been a fun ride. It certainly has. Now, as we look back to last season, I know ultimately probably the downfall you can point to for this Oklahoma team in their quest for a national championship was very likely just that defensive side of the ball. It just was playing out bad. Uh, I know the competition hasn't been great so far this season, uh, but can you say that there's been marked improvement from this point this year to what we saw last season in the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma? You know, I really think you're right when you say that, you know, the competition hasn't been that great. You know, Houston was a was a tougher, tough game, and they expected that a little bit. But South Dakota and UCLA really didn't pose a challenge. But I really think what it's, these first three games have done for that defense is it's injected it with confidence. Uh, this was a defense that was hurting most of last year. And Alex Grinch, the new defensive coordinator, he's pushed him ever since he's walked onto campus. And I think these first three games have been huge in terms of boosting their confidence and getting them ready for Big 12 play. Uh, there's an interesting stat right now, too, is they haven't allowed any first-quarter points in, in all three games. And I think that's huge, especially when you, you're complimented by an offense like Lincoln Riley has where you, they get off to fast starts. So I just think that's pretty huge right now with what they're doing. It's been a pretty impressive start so far. I mean, get, don't get me wrong. You know, Jalen Hurts has done a magnificent things on the offensive side of the ball. They're lighting up scoreboards everywhere. Uh, but the consistent message we've heard from a guy like Jalen Hurts and also some from Lincoln Riley is, you know what? There's a lot of room for improvement. How much are we talking about? What kind of improvement are they looking for? Is that specifically with the defensive side of the ball or is the offense looking to improve that much as well? Believe it or not, it's the offense that wants improvement. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts isn't satisfied. Every game, you know, he, he's, he's putting up huge numbers right now. And, of course, he, he's, he's on num- top of a lot of Heisman Trophy projection lists. But he's not satisfied. He wants this team, he knows this team can execute better. He knows he can play better. And, if anything, that's what really impresses me about him. It's just his attitude and how he, he, he's not going to be complacent at all. He wants to go out there and win football games through execution. And uh, the offense, it really, really wants to improve, you know, that left, the left tackle, left, left side of the offensive line, basically, uh, that, that if you had to pick a kind of a weak spot on this offense, that might be it. Uh, Oklahoma had to replace four starters on that offensive line this year, and they're still trying to find their way, but yet they're still running the football well and uh, put up a ton of yards. So I, I just think the offense, they think there's room for an improvement, and I think if they can put it all together – it's really going to, it's hard to believe this team getting any better than it, than it is now, but that's possible. As we take a quick glance at what's going to come Oklahoma's way this weekend, uh, they're hosting Texas Tech, you know, a game that they're a big, big favorite in. I don't anticipate this thing's going to be close, uh, but we see an Allen Bowman that's out with an injury right now at quarterback for Texas Tech. Uh, just how different do you expect the offense to look? And are you on the same page with some of the pundits I've seen who've said that Jet Duffy is likely to get the start for the Red Raiders? 
Yeah, the right the grad transfer from Rice, it sounds like it's going to go that direction. And that's something that, you know, Oklahoma has to really kind of game plan for is, uh, you know, what's going to happen at the quarterback spot. Uh, and it's it, it, interesting side note with this this game coming up. You know, Alex Grinch and David Yost are really good friends. David Yost, the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech, uh, they, they coached together for about five years at Missouri. And in 2015, both were on Mike Leach's staff at Washington State. So, you know, they, they talk constantly. So it's going to be kind of one of those games where you're battling against a really good friend. But I just think with what Texas Tech still they're still still trying to find their way as well under new coach Matt Wells. And I will say this about Matt Wells. Uh, I've known him for a long time and I, I'm really excited about seeing what he can do at Texas Tech. I just think it's a little early for them to come to Norman and, and get a win. But I, I think this Texas Tech team, this program, it's it's going to be headed in the right direction. As you look at a guy like Jet Duffy, he's a guy that you know can win with both his arm and his legs. He's probably a little bit better of a runner, in my estimation, than he is a passer. Uh, but is Oklahoma's defense prepped a little bit for this just because of facing Derek King earlier in the season? Yeah, and Dorian Thomas Rob, Thompson Robinson at UCLA, too, an sure. athletic quarterback. They, you know, Oklahoma had uh, three or four sacks against him. So I think Oklahoma's – the way they've been able to pursue quarterbacks has been pretty impressive. And the way they're going to the ball, and that's something that Alex Grinch mentions, the logo is Speed D. That's the label they give them themselves. And they are. They're playing at a fast pace, and I think it's almost really uh, allowing these players to play a little more, more free. And uh, it's going to be hard for, you know, for a quarterback to come into Norman, first start uh, at uh, Texas Tech, and, and try to have some success when you got 85,000 fans and a really talented, quick defense going against you. Now, when you look at the rest of the season for Oklahoma, you know, you fast forward a little bit past this game. Of course, everybody's going to circle the October 12th matchup with number 11, Texas. But I think an underrated part of the schedule is the last five games. You know, I've seen a lot of people talking about Oklahoma just cruising through this schedule as long as they can get past Texas. But my guess is in their last five games against Kansas State, Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma State, three of those games being on the road, I think there might be some challenges there as well. What is your estimation of the kind of challenge in the schedule for Oklahoma this year? You know, I, I agree with you 100%. Everyone's focused on Texas, and, and I understand that too. Texas is going to be probably a top 10 team when that game comes around. But beyond that, there are tough road games. You have to go to Baylor. You have to go to Oklahoma State for Bedlam. Uh, you, you have a tough Kansas State game on the road. Uh, those are three road games that are not going to be easy. And yeah, Kansas State's probably the sleeper pick of the league right now with what they've been able to do. Iowa State was my number three pick in the league, and Kansas State's kind of replaced them. But I say that, and Iowa State has to come to Norman uh, second weekend in November. That's going to be a tough game, too. You know, the last time they were in Norman, they, they pulled off a win. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this, this uh, final stretch uh, plays out. I think Bedlam at the end of the, 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 the end of the season, game number 12 uh, against Oklahoma State's going to be a game that could decide if OSU is going to the league championship game or if Oklahoma is still on pace to make another uh, college football playoff appearance. Now, we, it's kind of early in the season, and we still have an awful lot to learn, and that defense has to face some better competition. Uh, but as we move forward, do you think that this Oklahoma team is poised to make it back to the college football playoff? You know, I, I think they are. And if you're right, though, there's going to have to be continued improvement on the defense and the offense is going to have just to maintain what they're doing now. I really think if their defense was just been close to average over these past couple of years, they'd have a national championship right now. 
but the defense just wasn't up, didn't, wasn't near what the offense is. That being said, the offense hasn't really slipped that much. In fact, they've gotten better than last year probably with Jalen Hurts. And if the defense can continue to improve on a week-by-week basis, make plays, uh, yeah, there's a chance not only going back but getting to that championship game to give you a shot at a national title. All right, as we work our way toward game day, what can people find if they want to get the best scoop on Oklahoma? What can they find at TulsaWorld.com? Uh, TulsaWorld.com, just uh, look up our OU page, and we have stories, blogs running all the time. In fact, I wrote three blogs this afternoon on different topics, and we, we, we stay busy, and Oklahoma football keeps us busy, especially in our state. Uh, this, this is the big news. I mean, that everyone wants to know about OU football, so we have to keep up with it as much as possible. All right, Eric, I really do appreciate your time. And uh, as we work our way through the season, you know, I, I, again, I expect a couple of close games for Oklahoma. So if you're up for it, I'd love to have you back on the show sometime. Hey, sounds great. Uh, appreciate you, uh, the opportunity today. All right. Thank you, Eric. And now, as I close out the show, I've just got a couple of things to remind you of. This week, there's another opportunity to get on BellyUpSports.com and predict a score and outcome for the college game of the week on BellyUpSports for a chance to win a free t-shirt out of the Belly Up Sports shop. And this week, that game is USC at Washington. Just go to the College Football Forum on BellyUpSports.com and get your pick in for USC at Washington, the final score and the winner. And if one person is right, they walk away with a free t-shirt out of the Belly Up Sports shop. If multiple people get it right, all the names are thrown into a hat and one winner is drawn to walk away with their selection of any t-shirt, including what could be your very own blackout t-shirt or any of the other 26 different designs of t-shirts in the Belly Up Sports shop. Thanks again for listening to The Blackout. I'm Thomas Black, your host, and I hope you'll join me again next week when I have Nick Delatory of GatorCountry.com on again to preview Auburn at Florida, a potential top 10 showdown inside the SEC. Have a great weekend, everybody. 